Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical instructional program today is october 6 2013 on the roman calendar i'm going to talk about something that is very important how to overcome sin i'm going to go over what sin is what grace is and what is the process and uh, this is something that we all must do if we expect to enter the kingdom of god or yeah but first, as I tend to do, is go over uh, any significant world news that I need to go over today. And um, what I do is refer to watch.org. Let's all go to watch.org for those who have uh, access to their PCs. Of course, those who are on a train right now, on a plane, or listening on iPhones, uh you can go ahead and uh, comfortably listen to me. World Watch Daily Koenig International News states IDF locate escape route and weapon used by terrorists in Zagal attack. And in the news, too, uh, we did something uh, in reference to attacking someone in Somalia. Well, on CNN, let me take a look here. Let me go there and find out. It says, uh, developing story, U.S. grabs al-Qaeda operative in Libya. U.S. forces also target al-Shabaab leader in Somalia. So uh, there's some things going on there in reference to uh, some activity here in the Middle East. And so, anyway, going back to Koenig's website, uh, John Kerry spent shutdown delaying aid to Israel, Sinai peacekeeper funding. Analysis, U.S. reliability question overseas. Says former Mossad chief Yatam says, Syrians, Iranians view Obama's decision not to attack Assad regime after setting red lines on WMDs or weapons of mass destruction. As a sign of weakness, German newspaper America already politically bankrupt. So uh, the states of Baz, U.S. envoy, and Deke discuss Israeli-Palestinian peace talks in Ramallah. And 32 Republicans who caused the government shutdown. So it's, it's very interesting what's going on here. Um, I listened to... My wife, uh, she uh, wanted me to listen to and view a video by Lindsey Williams. Lindsay, if you, for those who don't know Lindsey Williams, you should Google him on YouTube. He uploads or someone else buys his videos and uploads his videos, and he has some interesting things to talk about in reference to the economy, and he's stating that this health care bill that they're trying to pass is going to affect everybody, that they should uh, try to get out of the cities and invest in gold and so forth. Of course, he's assuming that the people he's speaking to can afford to do all that. But <laughs> basically, my message really in light of that is that we, we, we do what we can do. One of the things that we can do 
to really make sure that we will be secure. And really, our focus should be, and I stated this yesterday uh, during the assembly that I'm a part of at 10, that we need to focus more on our uh, spirituality. A lot of people, they're, they're focused so much on their lives. And uh, Yeshua told us, or Jesus told us specifically that we need to focus more on our eternal life. Um, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, states the following, Then said Yeshua, Jesus, unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. You have to deny yourself. Believe me, I know. <laughs> I've been doing this walk, walking the truth to the best of my ability for almost 30 years. And you, you have to deny yourself. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot outside the world and say, hey, I'm righteous. You, you can't do that. You have to, to to deny yourself. And what that amounts to, if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, yoking with unbelievers is just like an egg yolk, right? You you, you just, you're attached to them, uh, you, you, you go out with them, you do things with them, and you, you can't do that uh, and possibly overcome sin, as I'm going to to go into detail today. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That that Greek word says is heter It means to yoke up, to associate discordantly. We can't do that. It says, For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? This is pretty clear and cutthroat here. And what concord has Christ with Belia, or what part has he that believeth with an infidel, or someone who is not a believer? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. So if he's calling us the temple of the living God, believers, then he's calling people in the world idols uh, in this context, unfortunately. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And in verse 17, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. So we're supposed to, if you're believers, you're supposed to separate yourself from unrighteousness. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't preach the gospel to the unrighteous, uh, that you don't try to correct them if they want to be corrected. But you shouldn't live the type of lives that they live. That's what this scripture is saying. And you don't associate with uh, a bunch of prostitutes. You know, you can preach to prostitutes, but you don't hang out in the street corner with them. Uh, you, you don't yoke your lives with theirs. That's what it's saying. It says, touch not the unclean. It's not talking about human beings. It says, that touch not the unclean, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. All right, so this is a very important to understand, very important to obey. So you have to, to learn how to separate yourself from, from people whose minds are unclean. All right, and and we we shouldn't call any human being unclean, but uh, what they do could be unclean, and you shouldn't do what they do, like eat um, non-kosher or non-proper uh, acceptable food. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter eleven and, and uh, Leviticus, uh, Deuteronomy chapter fourteen and Leviticus chapter eleven reveals that. But this is something that's very critical uh, to understand that. You must deny yourself, and deny yourself can mean giving up your friends, giving up the people that uh, you associate with uh, for for Yah, for God. That's that's what you must do. 
So anyway, getting back to Matthew 16, verse 24, then said Yeshua unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Then Matthew 16, verse 25, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So if, you're, if your whole focus <laughs> to, to be a part of religion, and religion is defined in James 1, verse 27, pure religion, pure worship, that's what religion in Greek means, worship, is to visit the fatherless and, and uh, the widows or the, those who are distressed, and poverty, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's what pure religion is. Pure religion is trying to, not trying to, or you know, pure religion is not trying to uh, focus totally on trying to protect yourself. It has something to do with that, of course, because we are living in the days of Noah. And in Proverbs, uh, let's go here, Proverbs chapter 22 Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3 states the following. It states that a prudent man foresees the evil. And foresee in the Hebrew uh, means to, to gaze or to take heed or to regard the evil and hides himself. That, that Hebrew word is sathar. It means uh, to keep close, conceal, but to simple pass on and are punished. So we have to pay attention to world news as as Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36 tells us, well, we have to pay attention to world news and, and act accordingly. And then Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared in art to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And this is something that most people seem to not understand. That Yeshua stated that the time of his second coming, which we're living in now, would be like the days of Noah. How many people were righteous in Noah's time? Eight people, right? And I think this is very hard for people to accept. But it's not that many people that are righteous on this earth right now, ladies and gentlemen, that are truly trying to obey the great God. And Yeshua, not me, stated that these days would be similar to the days of Noah. So that that's that's something that you need to understand. And then Matthew 7, verse 14 plainly states that is the very few in, in this life before the great tribulation will really understand the true way of life and walk in the true way of life. And, you know, I get people telling me otherwise. They 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 don't seem to, I guess, want to believe that scripture. But it's plain. It's Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. It's plain. It says, Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads into life. And few, that word few in original Greek, means puny. There be that find it. So in this life, of course, during the Great Tribulation, Revelation chapter 7, there's going to be so many nations that are going to repent because of the pain and the suffering that they've gone through. That's the human experience. We we have to experience pain. We have to experience suffering to really finally get what God is trying to tell us. In Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Beginning in verse... Nine. It says, With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yes, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And that's the human experience, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the human experience is that most must uh, learn that way. And it says, right here as far as the prophecies of not only Israel but the entire world Isaiah chapter 26 verse 14 they are dead they shall not live they are deceased they shall not rise therefore thou hast 
visited and destroyed them, made all their memory to perish. Um, looking at, I'm trying to find the scripture where it talks about, here we go, Isaiah 26, verse 19. It says, Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise, awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the herbs shall cast out the dead. Which is interesting here. It says, Come, my people, enter into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The inhabitants of the earth are going to be punished for their iniquity, their sin. And this Bible study, of course, is about how to overcome sin. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So, again, you know, this is very important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that God is going to intervene. He's going to end all this suffering that the world is going through as I'm speaking here. Isaiah chapter 25, starting in verse Six And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines and the leaves, of fat things full of narrow, of wines and leaves well defined. He will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people. Most people are blinded. They're, they don't know what sin is. They don't know what they're doing, basically. That's what the scripture reveals. And the veil that is spread over all the nations, the veil that is spread over all the nations. And that, that's, that's a very significant scripture to, to understand that. Uh, Psalm 147 plainly states, in verse 19, He showeth his word unto Jacob, and his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. In verse 20 of Psalm 147, He has not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. So the majority of mankind have not known his judgments, and they don't understand his statutes, his commandments. And so he's going to deal with them in another future time. The Jews celebrate Hosanna Rabbah, which is the seventh day of the festival of Sukkot, or Tabernacles, which is listed three, great salvation, and the great white judgment represents that. He's going to give people an opportunity for the first time to truly understand his ways because he has a desire for everyone to repent and to understand who Israel really is ladies and gentlemen you need to go to www.beasinboy.org and be enlightened and amazed at all the information that will prove to you that the United States, geographically Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Africa, have something to do with Israel. Okay, so he's going to lift the veil, the blindness that most people have on this earth. As I've stated to people, most people, actually over 2 billion people, haven't even heard the name of Yeshua or Jesus. They even know that his Hebrew name is Yeshua or Yahshua. They haven't even heard the name of Jesus. And on top of that, most of the people that have heard about Jesus have not heard the correct message about Jesus. And so there's been a great deception in the world of the truth, the true, the true gospel, the very true Jewish gospel has not gone out into all the world where everyone has, has heard it since the first century. And that will happen again, ladies and gentlemen, in the future. The two witnesses will do it. And then there's going to be an angel that's going to preach the gospel around the world. That's found in Revelation. Let me turn there. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And if you understand the seals, the trumpets, and the plagues in the book of Revelation, this is before the the last uh, set of judgments, which are 
described as plagues. There's going to be a last warning upon the earth before these plagues are unleashed, which will bring about the second coming of Yeshua on what is called the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. But anyway, Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And starting in verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, or in the, in the middle of the sky, or in the, in the middle of the sky, having the everlasting gospel, the good news, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth at that time. And every nation and every kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. So people are not going to have an excuse. Uh, when the earth, this gospel will be uh, completely preached around the world before the second coming of Christ. The scripture proves that. So getting back to, where's the scripture? Yeah. So Isaiah chapter 25, and in verse 8, he's going to unlift the blindness that is spread over all nations. That word veil in the Hebrew is, uh, the covering, there's a covering. In verse 8, he will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall be taken away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It, you know, Isaiah 25, verse 7 is talking about the great white throne judgment, the, the, the great time of salvation for all people that Yeshua spoke about in in John chapter 7. Whoever thirsts, come to me. His great mercy. And so this is, uh, of course, there's going to be some people thrown in the lake of fire, but uh, God is going to, he's not anxious to throw people in the lake of fire, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to do all he can to try to save as many people uh, as possible. And, of course, all things are possible with him, but he, he doesn't want to create robots. He wants you to choose whether or not you want to obey him or you don't want to obey him. And that scripture is found in Deuteronomy where he's telling you to choose. If he's telling you to choose, then obviously uh, we have to make that decision on our own. He's not going to force us. He may influence it just like when a little child is a disobedient, and you spanked them, but I'm sure many fathers and mothers can identify with this, uh, how many times you had to truly spank your child. You know, uh, we human beings, we just don't get it with just one spanking. I mean, we we got to repeatedly get spanked over and over and over again <laughs> before we get it. Well, God spanks us. He mightily influences us to obey, but we have to make the decision just based on the example of children. Uh, you, you spank them, and then they do the same thing over again. You spank them again. They, they have to make the decision to finally stop. Just like adult children have to do that, too. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I'll call heaven and earth to record this day against you and me, that I have set before you life and death. The dichotomy, uh, two uh, variables or um, two different types of uh, alternatives one on top of the other, one right next to the other, life, death, blessing, and cursing. So life brings blessings, and death, or or should I say, blessings brings life, and cursings bring ultimately death. Therefore choose life, that you and your seed may live. And he's talking about eternal life, folks. He's not talking about the first death. Uh, we all have to die but he's talking about to be able to live eternally that's what he's talking about here in this context so and that's that's really what this is all about that's what pure religion is about is keeping yourself unspotted from the world and helping people truly caring about people it's not about how much you know it's about how much you do it's about the uh, deeds and and uh, people get so mixed up on the fact that Yeshua died on the cross for us. But he didn't die on the cross for us so he can 
so we don't have to keep the commandments. He he died on the cross so that we could keep the commandments, folks. And I'm going to show that to you uh, today. How much time do I have here? Uh, I have 34 minutes, so I have plenty of time to talk about that. Let's see what's going on domestically here. And a website that I go to to find this out is the Economic Collapse. The Economic Collapse. It's a very good blog. I recommend you review this at your leisure. The economic collapse. Are you prepared for the coming economic collapse in the next Great Depression? I haven't gotten his books yet. I may order his book. It's called The Beginning of the End, which <laughs> I think it may be wise to get it, but he has a lot of information on uh, this website. Well, he's stating that the government shutdown is a joke. Well, it, it's, it may not be as dramatic as what people are thinking, but uh, it's, it's really not good news that the government is shut down and uh, this default situation that could occur this month is not something that's pleasurable as well. He say, states here about 40% of all food in the United States is thrown in the garbage, which is pitiful. tells you how uh, fortunate we are and how unappreciative we are, too, uh, or actually uncaring. I mean, if you have extra food, you should try to give it to someone else. Uh, I've, I'm sure I've been, I've been guilty of that, and I'm sure you have too. And we need to uh, do a better job. It says Oxford professors state robots and computers could take half of our jobs over the next 20 years. That's sad. <laughs> Thanks to Obamacare, employer-based health insurance is becoming an endangered species. Says 5.25 million for Senate hair care <clears throat> and 21 other ways politicians are living a high life at your expense. So anyway, this is a good website to review in reference to the times that we're living in today. All right, so what we're going to do today is go over, I'm going to briefly describe to you what sin is and how to overcome it. I've been trying to overcome sin since I realized what it was, since I was 18 years old. Uh, it's not easy trying to overcome sin, but it can be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. It can be done. First of all, let's understand what sin is. Because a lot of people don't know that there's a Bible definition or definitions that explain to you what sin is. First John chapter 3, starting in verse 4. It says, Whosoever commits sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the Torah, or the law. Uh, law in the Bible should be translated Torah, which means instructions and, and doctrines of, of God. So that's what sin is. It's simply the transgression of, of, of the commandments. And James chapter 4 adds more detail about what sin is. James chapter 4 verse 17. It says, Therefore to him that knows to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. Of course, uh, common sense to tell you doing good means keeping the commandments and doing righteousness. Righteousness is defined in the Bible as keeping the commandments or the commandments in Psalm 119 verse 172. And then John chapter 9, verse 41. John chapter 9, verse 41. says, Jesus of Yeshua said unto them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore sin remains. So uh, you can be, as I read to you in Isaiah chapter 25, uh, I think verse 7, that basically the whole, all of mankind have been blinded. And then Psalm 147 Again, Psalm 147 is a very powerful scripture to prove my point. Psalm 147, again, in verse 19 to 20. Psalm 147, 19 to 20. He showed his word unto Jacob, his statutes and the judgments to Israel. He has not dealt so with any other nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. 
Uh, you know, Acts 17, verse 30, he said he winked at the ignorance of the other nations. So we have to understand that a lot of people don't know what's right and what's wrong. And um, from the Bible anyway, they in Romans chapter 2, it says that, that, that people can keep some part of Torah and they don't know that it is Torah. And they'll be judged on that. But God is, he's a merciful God. And he's going to judge you based on what you know, not what you don't know. Okay. And, and a lot of, and some people, a lot of people don't know they should keep, they, they should keep the Shabbat in the Holy Days. They're not going to be judged on that, but they're going to be judged on things that they do know. And all the aborted babies and, and those that were retarded and and children that didn't get a chance to even be able to understand what was right and what's wrong, they are certainly going to be given an opportunity uh, for salvation. Uh, that's just common sense, ladies and gentlemen. And those that don't have the ability to understand what's right and what's wrong will be judged based on what they know, not what they don't know. So let's understand that. But... God has stated in his word the majority of mankind have been blinded, which means a lot of them have not sinned because, I mean, they've sinned, but as far as a judgment is concerned, it's not considered sin because they were blinded. He said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. All right, so I'm just only going by what the master has said here. All right, so the first thing that you have to do to overcome sin is you have to repent, or <clears throat> what the Bible calls teshuva. Well, even before that, even before that, and this involves repenting too, but you have to have a humble attitude, which is very lacking in the 21st century from a lot of people. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. Um, people have an attitude of wanting to rule and control. And here's here's God. He's the most powerful being in the universe. And he doesn't want to control. He says choose. That's not control, folks, to to have someone choose. Now, there are situations where you have to have controls in place, like a company, to be able to, to run a multi-million, billion-dollar business or any business for that matter, with employees, you have to have certain controls in, in force. Like employees have to be at a certain place at a certain time. Employees have to follow certain protocols or certain duties and responsibilities and get them done on time. That's different. Uh, that's, hey, you got to do it this way or else it's not going to benefit you or anyone else. It's, it's and, and still, in that case, you're not making the person do something. You're just saying if that person doesn't do something, then this is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> well, the same thing with God. God is not making us obey him. But he's telling us if we don't obey him, as I read to you in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, you're going to get curses. And those curses, if you don't repent of those curses, will bring death. But anyway. Matthew 18, verse 1, And at the same time, Canaan, reading this King James Version, the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And verse 2, And Jesus called a little child unto him and sat him in the midst of them, in the middle of them. And verse 3, And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted. Converted. That, that Greek word means strepho, and it means to, to turn, to do teshuva, to repent. Teshuva means repent in Hebrew. You shall not enter into the kingdom of, God, of heaven. This is very important to understand, folks, because only by pride comes contention. That's in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. Whenever we want to argue with somebody and fight with somebody, you've got pride. You've got to eliminate that. Believe me, I understand. You, you, I've been guilty of this. You know, uh, lately my arguments have just been, you know, I'm frustrated, you know, but but still, 
there, there's still pride in that as well. I mean, you got to know that it's futile. And uh, with me, I've been guilty of arguing with folks with Scripture and, and the Bible plainly states that you shouldn't do that. And so, you know, I, I think I finally get it after 47 years of my life. Uh, uh, people, they have to be sparked within themselves to want to be corrected. And if they're not sparked uh, or influenced or have a great desire, then you're going to hurt yourself trying to correct them. And, you know, I've learned the hard way that that's the case here. Uh, The Bible plainly states here in, in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7. He that reproveth chastise a scorner. And scorner is someone uh, that makes mock of someone, or he's not really, it's a person that really don't want to learn nothing, okay? He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man gets himself a blot. And word blot in the original Hebrew is mum, a blemish. And I've got myself a blemish trying to uh, do this. And then Proverbs 9, verse 8, it says, Reprove not a scorner, that not he hate thee. And rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. And you know, the Bible says a wise person is one that, that keeps the commandments, that keeps the commandments, and, and wants to do right. So that, that that's a wise individual. But uh, you, you have to have the wisdom to know who to correct and who not to correct. And uh, you know, believe me, I've learned that lesson the hard way. And hopefully you guys uh, that are listening to me will learn that lesson the easy way. Now, you should correct your kids. Don't get me wrong, but adults, uh, you got to use tact. <laughs> or people that you know or fellowship with. You have to have some wisdom to know when you should and when you shouldn't. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it's um, real delicate area conflict resolution I'm in the process of writing a paper on it that I hope will help a lot of people and I'm I've experienced a, a, quite a bit of conflict in my life and I've done the best that I could to resolve it but or come up with some solutions but the Bible is the perfect solution or has the perfect solutions to conflict resolution. So anyway, so you you have to be like a little child. You have to humble yourself. Don't think you know everything because no one knows everything. Don't get upset if somebody has the ability to quote scriptures. Don't don't get angry and upset at them. It's like Cain got angry at Abel because uh, he gave what he could and Cain was being stingy with his offering. We have no right to get upset and angry at someone because they have skills that we don't have or they know something we don't know, etc. I mean, that's that's of the devil to be that way. It's called jealousy. And, you know, we should use, uh, we should be provoked in the right way. That's how you use jealousy, to, 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 to do right, not to do wrong. So don't be like Cain. Anyway. You should have a humble attitude and realize, hey, you know, I, I've been deceived. Uh, Revelation 12, verse 9 says the devil has deceived everyone with the exception of Yeshua. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 16, let's go there. Jeremiah chapter 16, starting in verse 19, it says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in a day of affliction, and the Gentiles shall come, or the nations shall come into the, from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies vanity and things wherein there is no profit. Shall a man make gods unto himself? There are no gods. Behold, I will thus once cause them to know, I will cause them to know that my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is uh, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, or the Tetragrammaton, his name. Yehovah, or Yehovah. 
uh, this debate on how to pronounce his name properly. I'm not going to get into that debate. But anyway, that's what people will know. They will know his name, and they'll know, even more important than his name, the, the deeds associated with the name. In Psalm 105, verse 1, Psalm 105, verse 1 states the following. Psalm 105, verse 1 it states, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. So when you call upon his name, what you're really doing is making his deeds known among the people. That's what you should be doing anyway. Now, Luke chapter, this continual process of trying to overcome sin or overcoming sin. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 7, states the following. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be immersed or baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And that wrath that he's talking about is culminated in its totality in those seven last plagues in the book of Revelation. Verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance or behavior, deeds, and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham or Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to, of these stones, raise up children to Abraham. In verse 9, and now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. The trees in this context are human beings. Every tree, therefore, which brings not forth good fruit, good behavior, good actions, deeds, is honed down and cast into the fire. It's cast into the fire. Verse 10, and the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He that has two coats, let him impart to him that has none. And he that has meat, let him do likewise. I'm associated with a ministry that does that. They give away clothes and they give away food every Thursday. I don't know of any other ministry. I'm sure there's, I'm hoping there are others, but in the Columbus area uh, that of messianics or people that believe in keeping the Shabbat and Holy Days. I don't know if any other assembly is doing that in the Columbus area, the Columbus, Ohio area. Luke 3, verse 12. Then came also publicans to be immersed and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? Verse 13. And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence unto no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Not, not, don't always look to make more money and more money and more money. Be content with what you, you're making. That doesn't mean that if you're making living off a McDonald's salary and you can't pay your bills, that you should be content with that. I mean, you'd be content that you're getting paid something, but you should try to improve. Okay, so let's understand this is a serious message and you know you don't want to be that tree that's tossed into the fire you don't want to be the tree that, that's going to be cast into the fire alright so we have to, to show signs of behavior worthy of repentance the second thing that you need to do is show a physical sign a recognizable sign, a public sign that you have repented. And that is immersion, uh, being baptized. And you look at uh, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, Teshuvah, and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua Messiah, for the remission of sins, the remission of sins, remission in Greek means to the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> and you shall receive the gift. We, can, we don't earn it, but it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So that's important. God is, he has to call you or draw you to his Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of the Messiah. John 6, verse 44. And then verse 40 is significant. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, 
save yourselves. The word save means to deliver yourselves from this untoward generation. And this generation today is perhaps more wicked than the one in the first century. And so if you want to save yourself, you need to to, to repent, be baptized. That's how you can save yourself according to uh, this scripture. And I just hope that this is a Bible study that will be distributed among the Internet and people will do what the Scriptures are saying that you should do, which is repent. You know, I don't know how long I'm going to be on the, on the Internet. I don't know how long I'm going to be allowed to speak, but at least... You know, Yah does give me a way to be able to speak my mind and, and not be limited. And I could, you know, quote scriptures, uh, the necessary scriptures that I need to quote to get my message out. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, repent, a teshuva says, repent ye therefore and be converted. So you have to be converted. You have to be converted. That means to to change, that your sins may be blotted out. Okay, so your sins won't be blotted out if you don't have the desire or willingness to want to change. Now, once you have a desire or willingness, God is calling you. If, you, if you're listening to me, I, obviously God is calling you. He's drawing you to the Spirit of the Messiah because I have the Spirit of the Messiah in me. I have the Spirit of the Father in me. Okay? Uh, the Father and the Son is dwelling in me because the, the Spirit... Messiah comes from the Father, right? So, or the Holy Spirit. So anyway, everything comes from the Father. So Acts 3, verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And so that's the process. You have to change. You have to be converted. Then you become immersed in the water. And... uh, the disciples, what they did, they laid hands and asked for the Holy Spirit to be placed in you. And I know there's cases where some people don't lay their hands, you know, but I want to follow the apostles' example. The Bible tells us to follow their example, and that's what I do. And I lay my hands on someone once they are immersed, and I don't touch them at all. I allow them to be immersed. They immerse themselves. That's showing that they are making a decision. I'm not making a decision for them. Or, or trying to control or force them, but they are making a choice to repent, to change. And so once someone becomes immersed, they come out of the water, and then I follow the disciples' example or the apostles. Let me show you in uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts 8, verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, uh, giving out that himself was some great one. Verse 10, to whom they all, sounds like a lot of preachers today, but anyway, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Verse 11, and to him they had regard because that of of long time he had bewitched him with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdoms of God, I mean, the kingdom of God, and the name of Yeshua Messiah, they were immersed, both men and women. Verse thirteen. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was immersed, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which they were done. So, so all these people were they were immersed. But let's continue reading. They didn't receive the Holy Spirit yet. Uh, verse fourteen. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, verse 15, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So what you do, you pray that they receive the Holy Spirit. And verse 16, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were immersed in the name of the Lord Yeshua. And in verse 17, here's the key, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying of the apostles' hands, 
the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Okay, so that's a way where the Holy Spirit is given. There's, there were other ways where the Holy Spirit was given and first, but they weren't immersed. So uh, I just follow the example. I, I, I do both the best of my ability. I, I pray and I make sure that they're immersed and I lay my hands on them and I ask God to put the Holy Spirit in them. That's how I do it, according to the scriptures. Okay. Um, and what does that Holy Spirit do? Well, if you do what Acts 5, verse 32 tells you to do, Acts 5, verse 32 states plainly, and we are his witnesses of these things, and is also the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them that obey him. So you have to continue to obey to receive the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Ex uh, not Exodus, but Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, starting at verse 26. It says, A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk or influence you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to keep those commandments, to keep the commandments, because we all can't do it without his help. Just like a son can't learn how to walk without the assistance of his parents. Think of the Holy Spirit as a spiritual parent to help you walk the truth, to live the truth. The truth is Yeshua, uh, the truth is keeping all the commandments. Psalm 119, verse 142, the instructions and doctrines of Yah, or is translated the law. That's what the truth is. And uh, the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. In First Peter, First Peter, chapter 1, verse 22. First Peter 1, verse 22 states, Seeing you have purified your... How do we purify our souls? Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit. That's how we do it. Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So that's that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And what is grace? People are tripping up on that definition of what grace is. And Titus 2 verse 11 to 12 tells us what grace is. For the grace of God that brings salvation appears to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace empowers us to obey the commandments. It doesn't empower us to disobey the commandments. That's a great false, or to ignore the commandments. That is a great false teaching of many ministries today. Romans 6, verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Verse 2, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So, no, grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license to keep the commandments. That's what grace is, <laughs> if you want to really know the truth about that. And then Romans 12, and how do we overcome evil? Romans 12. Verse 21 states the following. It says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Do good unto to all. And Matthew 5 states that we should love our enemies. And 1 John, because God loves his enemies. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 13, states the following. I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. So it's possible to overcome the wicked one in this life. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. That's how you overcome the wicked one, ladies and gentlemen, by having the word of God abiding in you. And you have to study diligently on a daily basis, and and you have to live by every word of God. That's the only way you're going to be able to 
to have the word of God abiding in you, ladies and gentlemen, or staying with you. And that's how you're going to overcome the devil and sin. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. And I'm telling you, I've been in ministry for a while, and the one thing that I see too often is people not believing and living by every word of God. And that is one of the things that causes conflict <clears throat> when they're not willing to do that. But I just read to you that the keys to being strong and overcoming the devil is to have the word of God abiding in you. And that's what Yeshua did. He had the word of God abiding and That's why he was able to overcome the devil when the devil was tempting him. We have to do the same. We must follow his example. Um, in James 4, verse 17. Oh, James 4, verse 7. I'm sorry. James 4, verse 7. States the following. James 4, verse 7. states, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You submit to yourselves. You, you submit yourselves to God by having the word of God abiding in you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. That is a, a direct commandment. Stand against him. The way you stand against the, God, uh, the devil is to study that Bible and do what it says. In verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You double-minded. And so that's that's how to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Um. That's how to do it. Drawing near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Verse 9, be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Verse 11, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So anyway, we, we have to be very careful not to make a final condemnation toward our brothers and sisters in, in Yeshua. Or anyone for that matter. Matthew chapter 6 don't have time to go over the whole chapter, but it, this is a good chapter to study. It talks about giving, giving alms or charity to people, and it talks about prayer, and it talks about fasting. <coughs> it says when you fast, so he, he expects us to go without food and water uh, for a 24-hour period, uh, some days during the year to, to get closer to, to God and to, and, to, and to purge the wickedness from your mind. Isaiah chapter 58 explains to you uh, the incorrect way of fasting and the correct way of fasting. Isaiah chapter 58. So, and then also he talks about not focusing so much on money in Matthew chapter 6 and to put him first. And so I hope I've explained in a simple way on this program, ladies and gentlemen, how to overcome sin. If you have any other questions or concerns about this, feel free to email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. May the great God bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, 
with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 